Welcome to More Than A Game. My name is Tommy C. Um, this week on the pod, I'm joined by Jesse and Colby. Fellas, how are you doing today? Uh, Colby, you want to go first? Yeah, Tommy, good to be good to be back with you. Uh, hello out there to all the listeners. Um, yeah, just happy to be here. Happy to be back and uh, happy that the Premier League's back. It is back and it was back in a big way indeed. Um, Jesse, how are you doing today, mate? Yeah, not too bad. I mean, you know. Melbourne-based, like yourself, mate. I mean, lockdowns continue. Um, shout out to all our listeners who are in lockdown, which is, you know, considering it's half the country. Um, there's probably a few of you, but, um, yeah, it's tough times. But um, hopefully uh, our dulcet tones will help get you through it. Yeah, boys, the question for you before we get into the football is, are you listening to more or less podcasts now that you're pretty much exclusively from home? I mean, um, either of you? I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, um, typically on my commute into the office when I go yeah. into an office. Um, but yeah, so like a little bit less in that sense. But I also um, listen to podcasts when I run. So listening um, to more, just trying to do more running to stay sane like a lot of us are. So. <laughs> Jesse, you? Uh, I, I just listen to lots of them when I drive, <laughs> when I'm when I'm hanging the washing and everything. Uh, <laughs> I, I basically can't have a moment of silence to myself, which is probably an issue I need to address. Yeah, fair enough. And they're really the two camps, I think. People that like will watch a pod, like will listen to a pod 24 hours a day and then people that only listen to it on their commute and when they're exercising. Um, I think I'm somewhere in between and like sometimes I just find I, I need to listen to music while I'm running. But anyway, look, let's get into, into some football, shall we? Um, boys, what was your, your moment of the week? Jesse, you want to go first this time? Um, I think that uh, the image of... Uh... Uh, Mr. Frank at Brentford and the um, the young kid was pretty cool. Um, Damo sent through. I'm sure a lot of people have seen it. If you haven't, um, just the Brentford manager after the game uh, embracing one of the Brentford um, fans, a, a young kid, and um, it's pretty cool. I think cool. he actually did it twice, and and both of them I think were I believe they were disabled kids as well. I think one had a um, anyway won't go into the disabilities, but um, mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure there, there were two kids with with disabilities. And they, you're right, they were really heartwarming scenes uh, amongst uh, amongst many heartwarming scenes I, that day at Brentford. For those who caught the uh, Premier League preview um, a week or so ago that we recorded, I did mention that Thomas Frank was the kind of man that you could meet at your local art gallery for a glass of Pinot, and I maintained <laughs> that after watching the game the other night. He, he could go straight to an art exhibition after that game. Um, what a man. I, I learnt this week that he's he's not actually like a background in football, right? Like most football managers are ex-players, but he's not. He's like a sports psychologist, isn't he? I don't know. I believe you, though. Oh. Everything that you just said, I believe <laughs> you. Um, but um, what I would say, uh, just to mention, just a quick mention, guys, um, we'll probably talk about uh, Messi and that in a bit, but um, just that banger from um, Chalaba in the Chelsea game was sensational. Um, that was a special mention. Absolute bomb. Uh, Cobby, what about you, mate? What did you like this week? Uh, simple one for me this week. Um, it was that moment in the Everton-Southampton match where Decore um, scored to give Everton that come-from-behind lead and the commentators just screaming into the mic, the fans are back, the Premier League is back. <laughs> it, <laughs> it was, was just like losing it like a fan. I love it. 
It was real like fuzzy after the World Cup qualifier, like just yeah. screaming, oh, Johnny Warren. <laughs> yeah, he was losing it. And so was I by that point. So it was great. Yeah. And I guess, um, Colby, that's a good point. Like, uh, and I guess to to expand upon your point about Decore and fans and everyone just sort of losing their shit this weekend. Uh, I guess my moment of the week was really just like this weekend. It was just a fantastic weekend. There was a lot of great football. There were limbs everywhere. There was a, a couple of comebacks. Um, there was some great football. Pretty, much, I, I can't think of any of the games that were stodgy and rubbish. Um, so just a really great, fun weekend of football. Um, it's more to, like a, I, a, a meat pack of the week. You've had a bit of everything there. <laughs> It's like a festival the mix, of football, Tommy. It's the, it's the mixed grill of uh, moments of the week. <laughs> the as, uh, so as uh, Matt, Matt McGurr on Twitter said, he, he just said, how good is football with fans? And, and that's something I wanted to reiterate as well. So it was a really fun weekend for, for football. Boys, did you have any own goals this week? Anything you didn't like or anything that was just shit that you want to mention? It's hard, Tommy. We'd, yeah, like you said, there was there was a lot of quality out there. But I, I have to say, City getting done by Spurs on their opening match day after trying to hoover up Spurs' main man, all without Harry Kane even playing or even being in the match day squad. Um, I thought that was um, that was pretty poetic. It was it was really tasty to watch, uh, particularly the last five minutes of that game where everyone, like, you know, Pep's teams, how they're really bad losers and in the last five minutes they always get really niggly and they start kicking people and shitty fouls. Um, yeah, that all of that was on display in the last five minutes of that game. Which Is this where just, Grealish a- accused one of the Spurs players of diving and then gets himself Lucas a card? Yeah, after he's been diving the whole game, I just thought yep. that was just the cherry on top. It was perfect, wasn't it? Uh, um, for me, Tommy, um, mm-hmm. massively triggered by Diego Yotta throughout the entire commentary. <laughs> um, it's just hard, Jake. <laughs> for me, it's I, I just I don't know why this triggers me so much, but it's it's I think it's the fact that someone's trying to to pronounce something in a in a sort of cultured way, but then getting it horrendously wrong. That I think that's why it triggers me. It's like you know, if they just stuck with the English J, they would have got it right. So it's the fact that they're going <laughs> out of their way to make a car crash of the commentary. Jesse, it's, like it's just, it's just it's like tartare sauce on a chicken sandwich. It's uh, the wrong kind of mayo. <laughs> Absolutely the wrong kind of mayo. <laughs> Second, secondly, on top of that, just a side note, overcritical co-commentators also trigger me. And I was watching some of these oh. games and flicking between them. Just co-commentators who take the low-hanging fruit and just criticize the player for making the wrong decision when they don't score. So one of them was like hanging the, um, hanging uh, Vardy out to drive for when he went through and he's like, oh, I should have taken him first time and just chipped him and lobbed the keeper. <laughs> and you, you, watch the, you watch the replay and like the keeper and the defender had closed down the space. Impossible for Vardy to score that goal. Oh, no, he's, he should have done better there. And I'm just like, like just just the the, the the co-commentators who basically, you know, set an impossible task for the players to achieve. And then when they don't reach them, they criticize them for being shit. I mean, it's peak English co-commentary. But, but it's also real like sort of like FIFA areas. Like, oh, I would have pressed square then. Like if, if yeah. I was controlling it. Like, what are you talking about? The, the best ones, the best co-commentators we have in the league are the ones which they like, oh, he's done. He's done. It's a good effort, you know, or he's, he's he, I like the thought, you know. Like because they're clearly thinkers, but it's the, it's these like fucking cheap guys that come on who have no idea what they're talking about that just frustrate me because you're like, mate, you're not adding any value to this uh, to this broadcast. The, the, the Tim Sherwoods of the world is that what you're getting at? 
hundred percent Tim Sherwood. <laughs> All right, let's keep moving on, shall we? Uh, I don't have my own goal this week because you know what? I'm I'm keeping it positive. Nothing shat me over the weekend, so yeah, that's that's it. Um, but look, let's get into a little bit of transfer chat before we move on to uh, unpacking all the Premier League action from the weekend. Uh, last weekend, we did our Premier League season preview, and it was strictly Premier League. So we haven't talked at all on the pod about uh, Messi and uh, like Barcelona that that whole. Shit fight, I guess there's no other word to describe it. Boys, the dust has pretty much settled on it. We've all seen like the, the PSG sort of unveiling video with with the, the drone flying through the PSG shop and all of that stuff. And we've seen Messi now in a PSG jersey. What do you guys think of, of, of how this has all played out now? You go, Cubs. <laughs> oh, I, I I loved this. I loved this whole saga, um, and I, I still can't believe that it's actually happened. I can't believe um, Messi's actually left Barcelona. I just thought for sure this was another game of brinksmanship somehow, mm. um, and, and somehow Barca hadn't cooked it this badly. But like, I mean, it turns out they have. I mean, maybe years later we'll hear some real story. But for now, it just I'm still scratching my head about how it's actually happened. But it's happened. Messi's now a PSG player. Uh, and I was loving the um, the unveiling where they've got like this Avengers team of like their free <laughs> recruits out on, on the Parc de France, um, where they've got them all up on the stage and everyone's just cheering Messi and like you know one Aldum and Donnarumma are just like standing there like potatoes on any, you know in any <laughs> other team they'd be like the, the superstar getting the stadium like ovation as well but next to Messi and even um, Ramos as well it's. Yeah, they've just attempt, assembled some superhero team of recruits over the summer. It's a real like moment of just if that if someone had played that footage to you about four or five years ago, you'd just be like, "What galaxy are we in?" You've got Ramos standing next to Messi in the same team. It just, it's just. I, I'm with you, Colby. Like, I still, I think there's a part of me that's still in massive denial. Like, I'm not a Barca <laughs> fan, but not even remotely close to being a Barca fan. And I don't like I don't watch a lot of La Liga, and I haven't been one of those players, those people over the years that just absolutely obsesses over Messi. But it's still just there's something about it all that just it's very surreal. I still I don't know how long it's going to take me to to come to terms with it. Maybe once he's played a couple of Champions League games for PSG, I might start to feel like it's real. But him wearing the number thirty as well like massively triggers me as well. Like it's <laughs> that none of it makes sense to me. And as you say, Colby, that how easily it happened doesn't make sense either like after all the stuff that happened last year we thought it was going to happen then it didn't for it to happen so quickly and so swiftly like it did just just it's it's madness i guess that's a a good sort of way to summarize or or try to make sense of it is that um this wasn't about money for from messi's perspective well him him going to psg was but him leaving barcelona wasn't about money it was um just that Basically, Barcelona couldn't make it work for him to stay any longer, and that's that's I guess the the big takeaway for me was just like how how have they cocked this up so badly? Like someone's got to go to jail, surely. <laughs> but, but one of the great one of the great players of our time, mm. and that's the way he leaves that club. Like I think that's one of the things that's just going to be one of the real crimes in the long term. Yeah. Is that he, he left so awkwardly, not just for the yeah. club but for the fans. He's been there since he was 13 years old. Like he's a, like a one club player. Like I was, uh, you know, he's never done a transfer. He's ne- he's never done this before. He's never done a medical or anything like this because <laughs> he's been at Barcelona since he was 13. He's like, 
you, you know, there, there are, I was listening to a podcast the other day and there was a reporter in Barcelona saying that, she, you know, she had to like tell her kids that like Messi's not Catalonian, like he's, he's Argentinian. He's just been at Barca <laughs> for so long. Like, um, so it's, yeah, that the whole thing is just wild. And, and yeah, just picking up on, on your point boys that, yeah, he, he won't get a testimonial. It just, that just seems wrong. It's um. I remember how much uh, it sort of blew my mind when Ronaldo left Real Madrid, even though he'd been at two other clubs before that, um, and and how weird it was seeing him in a Juve jersey. But uh, I still don't think it's it's going to take me more than a, just a few games. I think for for me to get used to seeing um, Messi in a in a PSG shirt, I think it's it's going to take a good couple of, couple of months just yet. I think. Well, at least with Ronaldo, you'd, you'd seen him in his jocks before that, so it sort of <laughs> it sort of prepared you, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, that's one way of putting it. Uh, all right, let, let's keep moving though. Uh, the the other, uh, it's not quite in the same category, but he is a superstar of world football, and that's Harry Kane. About uh, him, him and his potential move uh, to Man City. Uh, obviously, overnight he he didn't not only make the not the field, but he also wasn't even named uh, on the bench for for Spurs. So, boys, do you do you think this is this is still going to happen, or do you think? That sort of bodes well that he's just he's not in the right headspace for that match, and and they they need him focused for for the future games. Or what's your take? This is this is the part of transfer um, uh, like rumors and and the whole the whole off season that I love. I live for this shit. Like yeah, Kane's <laughs> you know he wasn't in the squad, and everyone's talking, and it's getting spicy. But like I mean, he's just come back from the Euros. Like equally, Foden wasn't in the squad for City either. Um, he's injured. A couple though. of their Everyone other, yeah, a couple of their <laughs> other players. I mean, he's actually injured, but like, yeah, a couple of their other players didn't play. Like Walker didn't play, um, Stones didn't play. I think De Bruyne just came off the bench. Yep. So, like, I mean, come on, guys. But I love it at the same time. Um, right, Rice I, played yeah. ninety minutes though. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> just same category. This is an excuse to get Rice on there. <laughs> yeah, well, look what uh, Alan St. Maximan did to him on that first goal. He was like, "It's a, you know, I, I haven't to been look- to weddings in a while, but, you know, this is um, the, the first time I've seen Rice getting just thrown around like that. <laughs> I think Rice is still looking for him. <laughs> His head's still spinning. All right, back to Harry Kane, though. Um, boys, what do you what do you think, though? Do you think he's – has this changed your mind? Is he, is he still going? Or do you think uh, after another week of, I guess, of chat about Kane and, and him not having moved, uh, do, you think this, uh, do you think this changes anything? I think, weirdly, it makes it, for me, more likely that he's going. I, I think that my initial take at the start of the summer was that, yeah, he'd go, but it, it would be milked to the very mm. 11th hour with the most money that they can squeeze out of City. Yep. Um, it was never going to be something that was... I think everybody was pretty much agreed it wasn't going to be done before this game. So we didn't expect the deal to be done before this game. So whatever happens next, I mean, obviously there's been some doubts recently because um, Spurs are digging in and, and, and City are having to go back again with a second bid and the third bid. But um, it's kind of playing out how everyone expected it to. Like Levy was mm. always going to leave it until the very last minute he can and get the most money he can. And to be honest, considering how much money City are willing to throw around, you just milk the bastards as far as I'm concerned. You, know? you think there'll just be a flood of money after the Levy breaks? <laughs> little, <laughs> just bleed the Levy little, dry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Little Finkel Levy, he'll find a way. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's going to be... <laughs> One of those transfers where, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it incredibly jumps up from one thirty to one forty to one fifty on the final day. If you know what I mean? I think I think they're going to milk mm. them. 
Yep. Fair enough. All right. And before we uh, uh, wrap up uh, transfer chat, one more. Uh, this one kind of came out of the blue. Uh, Yannick Vestergaard um, has already left uh, Southampton, went to Leicester. It seemed to all get wrapped up in the space of about 24 hours whereby it was it was possibly happening and then he was there wearing a jersey. Um, and Adam Armstrong has also come in from, I think, Blackburn into to Leicester as well. Uh, sorry, into Southampton. Um, and he also uh, has... He ended up playing for Southampton over the weekend, got a goal on debut, which is great for him. Boys, uh, I know on the, the preseason uh, predictions, a lot of people are predicting Southampton to get relegated, but losing Vestergaard, does that pretty much just certify it now? Or should they just yep. not not bother for the rest of the season? Starting to look like a, a championship squad. Yeah, already. And, I mean, Aston Villa apparently are sniffing around James Ward-Prowse as well. So uh, it does not bode well at all for, for Southampton. Yeah, and Tommy, uh, just before you do move on, I, I love mm-hmm. that uh, this this segment consisted of uh, Messi's PSG, Kane rumored to City, uh, down to Southampton. So um, you know we've, we've given the the viewers the and the listeners the full spectrum um, of the transfer. Track. And not and not to upset George, I mean Tammy Abraham has gone to Roma, so make make of that what you will um, in the spectrum of transfers that we just mentioned. But I think Tammy Tammy Abraham comes after Adam Armstrong, doesn't he? Hundred <laughs> percent. Oof, I'm still cut up by still still cut up after Tammy didn't go to West Ham, but yeah. Anyway, let's leave that just for, for my therapy session, shall we? Um, alrighty, next up, Premier League though. Spurs scoop it out for Bergwijn. Width from Son, Bergwijn through the middle now. Deli Ali arriving. Lucas Moura checking on the edge of the penalty area. Son had a go. A little gem that from Son Heung-min. Um, so as per at Kazonis's observation, uh, all of the home sides dominated this weekend in the Premier League. So seven out of the ten games uh, were won by the home side as fans returned. Boys, only Burnley, Newcastle and Norwich didn't win at home. What does that say to you about Burnley, Newcastle and Norwich? <laughs> I want to take the bait. I want to take the bait, but I actually think uh, those teams all, um, you know, had a pretty good showing as well, and they're they're, they're normally all pretty strong at home. Yes, yeah, so I'll just I pour some cold water on it. Yeah, none of them disgrace themselves. I guess is yeah. is kind of what Coffee's saying, and I, I'd agree with that. Um, yeah, especially Norwich. I mean, that was always going to be a really tough fixture for them. Um, I fe- I feel like if I had have given that question to anyone except for two Liverpool fans, I think I might have got a bite. But you guys are just flat batting it today. <laughs> full respect, full credit to the opposition, Tommy. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough place right, to yeah, go. Yeah. Tough place to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Look, we're we're not going to start with Burnley, Newcastle, and Norwich this week, but we are going to start with uh, uh, Harry Kane's side. Um, it was one of the uh, – or Tottenham hosting Man City was uh, one of the games that was on on Sunday night or Monday morning, uh, Australian time. Um, it was between, obviously, Spurs and City, a.k.a. the team that Harry Kane currently plays for but didn't play for against the team that Harry Kane wants to play for but doesn't play for yet. Um, so just the single goal separated two very underdone teams, as Colby already said um, earlier. A lot of, lot of City players out. 
um, as well as just Harry Kane. Um, the two sides were just separated by a well-taken goal by Hume Son, who uh, exposed why Nathan Ake doesn't play very often for City. Um, boys, this uh, were, were you at all surprised by, I guess, uh, not only the result, but the fact that City City didn't create a hell of a lot of clear-cut chances either in this game? What did you make of it? Tommy, I thought City, I mean, in the first, yeah, in the second half, maybe not. But in the first half, I thought City could have been three or four up by half time. They, they created a lot of chances. I mean, yeah, and maybe it's just not not finishing the chances. I'm, I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, City in the first half in particular were just wasteful. I thought it was a, a bit of a classic case of City had lots of chances, but it, it wasn't the City that we have previously seen whereby their tap-ins or, or Jesse's favourite, the, the cutback, and where they just are scything uh, a team up. And, and Although Tottenham are still, like, they, they might not be the, the team that Spurs fans would want them to be, um, they're still a pretty solid team, and I, I think they held up actually pretty well under, under, that, um, under the pressure from City. So, Jesse, what did you think? I think it was a bit of a disjointed City team and you could see that it wasn't flowing. Um, but also uh, Tottenham are quite physical and I think that's a, um, a byproduct of Nuno coming in. I mean, he, he's it, it actually looked like a Nuno team immediately, which I was a bit surprised by. I thought it would take a little while for that to happen. But they um, they'd started to look pretty good in the preseason games, particularly the last friendly against Arsenal. And they kind of carried that form and confidence <laughs> over and um, just fast on the break. One of the things we mentioned on the prediction um, pod last week was they have players there who have kind of been written off because they weren't um, stars in the team when Kane mm. and Son were doing the double act. But Mora and Bergwijn and those sort of players, they're good players. Um, they, they might not necessarily have been consistent and, 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 and noteworthy until now, but if they're handed this this position from Nuno to say, you guys need to win us this game. I mean, Mora was, I think he, I think I read somewhere that he had six touches in the penalty box. Um, yesterday, like he was, he was buzzing around. He was, he was winning fouls for them to, to release the pressure from all the city possession. Um, so I think that's it's pretty impressive to see how quickly Nuno's has stamped his uh, authority on the team. And I think it made it really difficult for City because the team, um, the the Tottenham team, was so defensively disciplined. It, and it's was a beating good point. City in another way too. Um, that Jesse, you were, you were just touching on that, like in that, in that counter-attacking style that we're used to seeing from Nuno. But we're not used. What we're not used to seeing is is City really being beaten in that way. It's normally that, you know, the old blueprint for beating um, Pep City was to just you know run at them as well, but then you risk being exposed. Um, but Spurs showed that there's a there's another way to do it. Mm-hmm. Boys, uh, you, you mentioned um, Jesse about uh, some of those sort of fringe Spurs players—not not quite fringe players, but you get what I'm getting at—that um, they, I guess, sort of uh, set forward quite well on the weekend, and that's something that we really saw, I guess, under uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Solskjaer at um, Man United after Jose left, right? Like you saw a whole bunch of players sort of come out of their skin a little bit more and 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 really put their best foot forward. Like we're now seeing. Like what is it? Two, three years of uh, of Luke Shaw post Jose as well, and he's now arguably one of the best left backs in the Premier League, right? So, so maybe what we're going to see this season at Spurs is is some of those sort of fringe players, for lack of a better term, uh, really really step up in, and and maybe they will step into the breach if Harry Kane does end up leaving. So maybe it's actually going to be a very positive year for for Spurs fans after all. Um, boys, what did you uh, would you make of uh, Son's finish past? Uh, Past Edison and, and arguably Ake as well. Sensational. 
he's he's so deadly um i i i find it i think he's an incredibly clutch player which is a weird word to use for a football player because you hear that in a lot of american sports but son needs mm. one shot that, that, that's I, I think that's what makes him so incredible like he, he he can have no opportunities in a game and then you just give him one and he's just so deadly um i i always find an amazing player in that regard he doesn't he doesn't need a sighter he just needs one shot and he'll he'll bury it all yeah. it takes um you know to put a to put a ned zelich point on it tommy it just takes one <laughs> moment of individual brilliance so uh and that's what you that's what you get from uh, from son brilliant um boys uh okay gunnigan uh was injured late in the game not sure if he caught this one it looks like he's hurt his shoulder um not sure how long he's likely to be out for but do you, do you think um with gunnigan possibly being out for I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks or uh or maybe even longer and and if they don't end up signing kane do you think we might have overestimated city this season or too hard to tell yet before uh they, they, i guess they hit their stride they had a shit start last year. It's 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 easy to forget they had a terrible start, and you know most teams had a ten point twelve point lead on them and just ran them all down. So and overtook them by about twelve or fifteen twenty points as well. So um, I and unless they were uh, unless they're still losing at Christmas, I, I don't think this is really relevant. They'll be the most consistent team probably on the other side of um, the Christmas break. So you know, take as many points off them now as you can is what I would hope <laughs> for the team. <laughs> it's it's a it's one of those things right like where if you if you've got um a city side you want to be playing them first week right especially after a major tournament where like a lot of players are still coming back and and i guess in like carry kane and, and walker's case and stones's case like they've i think they've only been back with the squad for a week so um so yeah um boys a couple of stats for you about nuno so um He's uh, Spurs' most successful Portuguese manager. Uh, he's got a 100% win percentage uh, rating <laughs> now. <laughs> but, boys, uh, who do you think is uh, is next after to Nuno? So they're on, they're on 54% and 51 respectively. Um, Obviously, is the, Jose is one. Is it um, the um, – I forgot his name. Andre Villas Boas. Villas Boas. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. which one's which though? Which one's fifty four? Which one's fifty one? I would say Jose's fifty one, and Villas Boas is fifty four. Colby's yeah, got it right there. Yep. All righty, um, boys. Anything else you wanted to talk about about this game before we move on? I've got a few stray just observations. Well go, Colby. Here you go, Colby. Um, just on the on the Spurs fans, um, another another great atmosphere at the new White Hart Lane. Um, you know, all of the home home atmospheres were really great. But one thing that stood out to me in this one was the um, all of the Spurs fans were given these little like black and white flags, and they were like waving them um, <laughs> at the start of the game. It reminded me of the um, the Woo's first home game in Geelong that we all went to, Tommy, and they were giving away those little flags that you like pushed some kid out of the way to get a, you know, <laughs> to get your hands on a commemorative, uh, you know, day Guilty. one flag. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it was some some task to uh, put 60,000 of those on seats, but it uh, did the job. Really Jeez. intense flag game. Really intense yeah. flag game. One of, the, one of the most prominent props for supporters since since those shakers that they gave to uh, the Leicester supporters. Um, 
They they were an absolute pest. Remember them? Put some respect on cowbells, Jesse. Yeah, I was just going to say it's no cowbells, really, is it? And there um, we go. I think uh, the the few listeners that we've got have just been triggered and it's just turned off the pod for for mentioning cowbells in the the A League off season. We are and will always be a cowbell podcast. <laughs> Kobe, uh, you, you had any other observations? Oh, the the other the other thing for the Spurs fans uh, was the um the the chance of are you watching Harry Kane as well? Uh, I thought that was quite nice. That and, was um, and and one final thing, just Manchester City's kit. I don't know whether we discussed this in enough detail. I know Andy is not a fan of Puma, but like I'm I'm right here with him on on City's kit. It just looks like a cheap training kit, like. And absolutely zero collar. It's like an anti-collar. It's like almost like a bit white. It's like a scoop neck almost. Scoop neck, yep. Personal attack on me when they do that, isn't it? But the, <laughs> Yeah, the thing, I, I could just the, see Jesse being triggered. But the, the, I thought I Jesse would be all about the scoop neck. No, I mean, I do like huh? a scoop neck and, my, you know, going going to the beach and enjoying a um, pina colada or something maybe, but not, not going to a nightclub in 2010. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I, I popped a few scoop necks in 2010, but um, I digress. The, the the thing about that kit is that there's been a few kits this this um, first game week that you've finally seen them out on the pitch that you've thought, didn't like it so much when it was on the uh, on the website. The it, look, it, it looks better. It looks better when the players were in it, not City's kit. City's kit actually, when they threw all the money on the uh, the videos, I thought it looked actually okay in the videos. And then when they actually wore it, I was like, no, that's shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I 100% agree with that. I think all of the pure jerseys this year are garbage as well. For, um, anyway, let's uh, move on. So, Manchester United, they hosted Leeds uh, in the early game on Saturday. Um, this game was a whole lot of fun six goals, uh, a bunch of them screamers, four assists from Paul Pogba. Um, and absolutely rabid fans inside a packed Old Trafford uh, who were pumped up for the football, but even more so after the club unveiled new centre-back Rafa Varane. Um, boys, uh, is there a better player in the world than Paul Pogba just before or during the transfer window? <laughs> That's all I could think about uh, in the game, especially especially when United fans are getting really, really excited about him. And it's just so easy to wind them up. You're just like, oh, it's almost like there's a transfer window around the corner. Like it's just too easy. But um, apparently he's he's playing for the Knicks one because he's free. Um, so essentially, like we we might not see him leave this window, but um, he may leave the Knicks one. So maybe he's just trying to impress his future suitors. I don't know. But he was on fire on the weekend. I can't deny that. Um, and one of the things I was mentioning to my uh, my Leeds mate, uh, the reason why this is always a brutal fixture for Leeds, or seems to be is that, you know, you have the clash of the two styles. Leeds didn't learn their lesson from last year, and they make <laughs> they make that United team look so good because they, they run at them and rush them. And that team, like, United would probably have struggled against Leeds if Leeds had really sat back and just frustrated them, like they did to Manchester City last year. Leeds can do that. Mm-hmm. Like United would, Leeds, I think, I mean, I think United will struggle against, um, like, a, a Spurs setup under Nuno. Yes, so that's, that's yeah, the kind of setup I, agree. I would expect them to struggle under. And I know that's not natural for Leeds to do that, but Leeds can pick their moments in games to flood. And and and, and that second goal, the the Greenwood one, I think it was. Um, there was about six players, Leeds players. It was after Aliens scored the equaliser, so there's about six players of Leeds Ooh. were in the uh, in the box. Alien, uh, <laughs> Aileen, going, Aileen. <laughs> um, um, uh, 
He was basically like they, they, half their team was in the in the Manchester yeah. United half, and they got absolutely ripped to shreds on the counter attack. So, um, if you're a Leeds fan, you must be tearing your hair out, and that's where a little bit of blame has to go on uh, Bielsa and his tactics. I mean, the great man. Yeah. Um, he's he's gone back to the same venue this time with fans, and it's pretty much the same result. Um, you, you can't blame DJ Calvin because I think last time he actually played, and then he hooked him at half time. So. What's what's the excuse this time? I mean, Stroik was never going to win a foot race with um, Greenwood. So why did you why did you leave him exposed uh, down the down the flank? I don't understand that. I, I'd be pretty pissed off if I was a Leeds fan. Well, but do you think that he he Bielsa could actually ever set up this team as a like a not not quite in a deep block, but like Jesse, you mentioned that like sometimes he has set up in like a more sort of uh, pragmatic. Uh, sort of approach against like a big team, but like I don't remember having seen it. So like I question whether I, I think th- like Bielsa's only got one way of playing, and I think this is it. Even when it's against a team that's designed to cut up a team like Leeds playing like this, like there's there's pressing, but there's also smart pressing. Like he's obviously like he's rushing, he's rushing um, players into making decisions. The problem about United is they actually they play well under that. They play well under um, the pressure to make quick decisions. Like that goal, the first one, I think, with um, Bruno, and it was just that one-touch pass from Pogba. If you rush him, he's good enough to just pick a hole and then away he goes. And Bruno's the same. So you actually have to give those players, um, um, you have to push them back and be like, you make the decision. You're going to have to find a way to come through us. Whereas what Leeds were doing is just rushing out, and those players are too good to do that too. And in a French French football team... uh, Paul Pogba turns up, then you're going to get cut to ribbons, which is what happened. I mean, I can't believe the guy had four assists, wasn't it, at the end of the day? Like, this is four assists, ridiculous. indeed. Yep. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, I read a stat about that, boys. Um, only the seventh player in the, in the Premier League um, to do to have four assists in a game. Uh, I don't know whether you saw this, but do you know who any of the other seven are? Uh, one's Kane. Yep. Mm. Uh, a lot of Arsenal players. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fabregas? Yeah. I mean, you just said there's seven of them. Yeah, well, six others other than Pogba. So you've got Bergkamp, Reyes, uh, Fabregas, Adebayor, Casola, and Kane. Yeah, right. Jeez. That's Jeez. Why so many Arsenal players? <laughs> I guess because Arsenal always only ever had like two good players and the rest were just passengers. Anyway, oh, jeez, jeez. Sorry, right, look, just... except except for around the turn of the century, uh, the turn of the millennium. But anyway, boys, uh, back to to Leeds and Manchester United. Did this game change your opinion of Man United's title cha- uh, chances, or or too soon to tell? As as Jesse said before, like absolutely not. I think Leeds really flattered United. Um, they were, you know, it's a great matchup for them. Both of them will play better and worse against other teams. You know, United should still finish in the top four, but, you know, don't see them winning the league, which is Fair what enough. their mandate is after signing um, Jaden Sancho and Rafa Varane. So, uh, Ole's got his work cut out for him, but they're off to a good start. Fair enough. Um, all right, boys, anything else to add before we move on? Okay. Uh, Brentford, uh, they they hosted Arsenal in uh, the first game of the round and also of the season as well. Um, boys, this uh, was this result entirely predictable? Brentford winning two 0 
Against Arsenal, yes. I mean, this like this narrative um, you could see coming from an absolute mile away. Um, Arsenal, yes, they had a, a strong finish to the season last year after a very poor first half to the season. Um, but um, yeah, they, they Arsenal were a little underdone tonight, which I think everyone conveniently forgets, you know, for the sake of banter. But um, <laughs> yeah, this 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 narrative was only ever going one way. And, and also, like, let's talk about Brentford as well a little bit too because, like, Brentford are going to be perfectly positioned for this as well because they're just coming off, like, having played in the championship, so confidence is high. There may have been a little bit of self-doubt sort of week one of the Premier League, but but ultimately confidence is high after coming off the last championship season. And, like, they, as I as I call them, they, uh, they haven't copped a bloody nose yet. So they're going to be out and about and bloody popping their heads up everywhere. So uh, until they cop, a, a, I think, a, a bit of a... Uh, a dusting up somewhere. So, yeah, for me, this was uh, yeah, it was just inevitable. <laughs> this this result, yeah. yeah. And like you said, Tommy, how there. Are, oh, I was gonna, I was just going to say, Tommy, that you know, you like there are certain teams you don't want to play early in the season, um, or, or that you do want to play early in the season. You were saying you 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 know you want to catch City at the start of the season after a big tournament. Yeah, you don't mm-hmm. want to play these new, these plucky little um, promoted teams when they're coming up from the championship full of confidence and. And that's what Arsenal got, as you said. I mean, even Pup- it, it always- uh, no- even Norwich what was it two years ago ended up knocking over City just because they had them both at the beginning of their season and the beginning of of City season as well. So yeah, look, anything can happen. Um, sorry, Jesse. Uh, it went to script in the sense that I thought that Brentford was going to win that game, but I, I thought it was going to come from the, the the two guys up front, and the goals didn't uh, didn't come through those means. They were they were different, but the, the, one of them came from a, a long throw, which we always love to see. Um, yeah, but I, I think that there's more. I think I, what I'm trying to say is there's more to Brentford's game. Um, there are players there who, who score a lot of goals and they usually rely on, and they didn't even feature. So I think it's really encouraging for Brentford. They can, it looks like they can actually get in an arm wrestle and, and find goals in other other ways. And you're right. It, it did. Um, it was an interesting game, I guess, from that perspective. Of there were a couple of players that probably, well, at least, I didn't know that much about who popped up and, and scored. And I, I remember as I saw the name pop up uh, uh, mid mid game, I, I did a little bit of Google and I was like, "Wait, where the fuck's that?" And and figured out where where they'd been or what they did last year or if sort of uh, I think a lot of fan, a lot of fans were expecting them to do well this year, but. Um, but yeah, boys. Uh, look, do you guys think Arteta is going to make it to Christmas? Because he's already under a lot of pressure. I hope he does. I hope he does. But um, Arsenal fans, uh, um, if you if you follow social media or Arsenal fan TV, um, uh, you know, even in the slightest bit, that you know, yes, he's already under a lot of pressure. But I, I hope they, I hope they keep the faith. Boys, we we talked about uh, Everton. It might have been actually off the pod um, that Everton are seen as a bit soft uh, these days. Are Arsenal the new Everton, Jesse? Yeah, um, I think basically you've taken two of my own quotes and thrown them back at me. So <laughs> the the um, preseason pod, I said that um, yes, Everton was soft and they needed more backbone, and secondly, that Arsenal was probably the new Everton. So um, yes, oh no, I, I couldn't agree with me more on that one. Mate, it's because it's because you got the the jab this week. You just you're planning stuff in my head again. It's that five G oh, synchronization. You're thinking on five G. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right, boys. Uh, question from Lee Brox and Facts uh, from Facebook. Uh, rank these managers from best to worst: Arteta, Popovich, and Eddie Howe. 
This is a very good question. <laughs> and I feel that any way I answer this, um, I will have fallen into Lee Brock's facts as uh, his, his trap here. It's a, it's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, geez. Like, and, and I mean, Popovich has won silverware. Yeah. Did, has, did you know that, that Popovich has won the Asian Champions League? Oh, I didn't. <laughs> Fans should really mention it more. <laughs> so basically, it's a you know we've agreed that Popovich is the best of the rest, yep. and uh, now we're basically it's deciding between Eddie Howe and Arteta. Um, I think did it's pretty. Eddie... Yeah, it's a bit unfair did, because did... one of them's pl- um, managed uh, for a lot longer than the other. Yeah, I mean Arteta's been around for like a, at least two years now. Eddie, Eddie Howe's still about sixteen years old, isn't he? <laughs> All right, I'm not. I'm obviously not going to get anything out of you, Jesse. So, well, well flat batted. Um, we'll, we'll move on then, shall we? Um, next up, uh, nearly another newly promoted club, Watford. They hosted Aston Villa, uh, reeling after having lost captain and talisman Jack Grealish during the week. Um, boys, this was a, a bit of a battle of the newly promoted adrenaline versus uh, motivation to prove that there's life after Jack. Um, just how impressed were you with Watford? Never doubted, my boys. <laughs> what for the pod, aren't we? we That's well, it. Well, th- th- this pod back in the the heady early days of more than a game was originally a, a Watford pod before they they turned to shit the the following year. So um, this is really just a, a return to form, I guess, for for more than a game. So, but this this wasn't uh, Decore and uh, Kapue though. This was this was a pretty different Watford though, really, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Ismail Asar and Dennis. <laughs> Lads and Cucho, <laughs> who are um, these guys? Uh, the, sensational, though. I mean, that Cucho goal. Whoa, that's. I mean, there was in most weeks that would be the moment of the week. I mean, there's lots of stuff that we um we wanted to talk about this week, but that was a cracker goal. And I think it was his was it his first touch. I think he'd been on the pitch for like 40 seconds, and he just comes on and just puts a banger into the um into the far corner. Now that was a sensational goal. But um going back to what you were saying, uh Matt Target, um, he was that rest in peace living up to his name. <laughs> um he just basically they just said in the uh dressing rooms before they went out, let's just bomb down that wing and flood that area and Target's gonna capsize and that's exactly what happened. He got absolutely ripped to shreds by Saar and he got hooked at half time, I'm pretty sure. Um that's brutal. Um so one thing, though, is that Tiger got hung out to dry, though, by his manager, seemingly, because Dean Smith refused to make a change until half time. And by that point, they were 2 0 down. Um, like I think they scored just before half time again, and it's down the same flank. Mm. Um, so I think you'd have to, have to criticize the manager there for not making a change earlier than he did. Uh, I think you've got a question, though, because I think uh, um, Saar, his first name escapes me, but um, Sazmela. Ismela. That's it. Um, Ismail Saar, he he absolutely tore him up. But I think maybe you've got to give some credit where credit's due as well. Like we, we saw Saar in the Premier League, what was it, 18 months ago, thereabouts. 
Um, and he was very good then, and, and he's obviously had another another twelve months to grow in the the English game as well. So um, it's going to be really. I think he was their top scorer last season, if if memory serves me correctly. Yeah. So uh, I think that that bodes really well that that he's off to a flying start in in uh, match day one. Um, so so hopefully he can really inspire that Watford team into into some some more really good results this season. So just on that, Tommy. Um... Yep. You know, probably when I was hanging up my socks or something, uh, when I was, you know, in, in a um, echo chamber of pods, and I'd somehow found myself <laughs> listening to a, a, a Watford FC preseason pod, and <laughs> basically they were saying that. You SARS, mean there's another Watford pod? <laughs> SARS numbers, and I'm not, and I'm not talking about the influenza. Um, SARS, <laughs> SARS numbers were going to depend on the formation for the year, so. Apparently, when they play four three three, they're a very very different team to the four four two Watford with the old Deeney and another person up front. And so, if he's in that four 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 three three, they have those really quite attacking wingers, and that's when he seems to th- um, thrive. So, depending on the teams that they play, um, will Watford play the same away from home as they did at home? Um, I guess mm. we'll have to see when we we watch them next week. But at least at home, they look like they're going to be a team that has a go. So it was quite exciting to watch. And we haven't even seen my boys Joao Pedro yet, boys. (laughs) Next week, Watford have uh, Brighton away, which that's another pretty sort of friendly fixture that uh, the Watford are going to have. So they could be sitting on six points after after two two weeks, which would be a fantastic start for them, and and definitely gets them on the way towards staying up this season. Staying up. Alrighty, boys. Uh, another team that's staying up is my West Ham. Uh, they travelled uh, last night to, to Newcastle. Um, cracker of a match played out at St James's Park in Geordie Land. Uh, West Ham started brightly, but went behind uh, twice in the first half. The first time just in just in the first five minutes. Um, but then West Ham went through the gears in the second half, scoring three unanswered goals um, in in about a fifteen minute block there to end up taking away the the 4-2 victory. Um, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest that you guys probably didn't watch this one in full, so I'm just going to, you know, um, just going to freestyle this one. Um, but, look, I, I thought uh, Newcastle uh, were very, very good in the first half. I thought Alan St. Maximum was at his unplayable best. Um, but Alan St. Maximum, I actually it got to about the 70 minute, 70th minute mark and I, I wondered if he'd been subbed off because, I didn't remember seeing him in the in the, the that sort of third quarter of the game when when West Ham really sort of grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck, and I guess that's that's the problem with some maximum. He can sometimes just be a little bit ineffective, and and sometimes can go a little bit missing, like he, he did in this one. Um, Shame for Newcastle fans because, I mean, at halftime, personally speaking, I was just thinking, geez, I hope that uh, West Ham get a point out of this because it felt like West Ham were just holding on for dear life uh, come the end of the first half. Um, Boys, anything that you two wanted to add particularly from this game? Just two teams that are going to be up for the scrap, uh, I think, Tommy. Like, I think that West Ham uh, have shown that they can go to another gear and that second half proved it. So they definitely are a team that again, are, are ones to watch Antonio, um, it looked like a menace and Ben Rama was really, really impressive. But I think these are two teams who just look like that on their day, um, they can frustrate and, and fight it out against any team. I think it's really interesting. It was like watching two boxes, um, back and forth. Um, because they can find goals in all sorts of different ways. They both can do it eerily, but they also can just scrap it out of the box. 
Um, so they are going to be interesting teams to watch throughout the season because I think that they're going to cause a lot of teams problems just because of the way that they can manufacture goals in lots of different ways. And then they're, they're happy to, to sort of scrap it out. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of goals like Newcastle's first goal where Alan Maximum just, as we were saying before the pod started, just ripped Declan Rice to shreds down in the corner and then put it basically up on a plate for um, for Callum Wilson just to, to nod home. I, I think we're going to see a lot of goals like that this season. Surely they, they have to be one of the teams. I'm struggling to think of another at the Premier League at the moment, but there are a couple of them where their best player is so far above the level of everyone else in their team. It's just so it, – it sticks out so much um, to watch it. And I remember when Jesse and I were at the pub last season watching Newcastle against Liverpool, just how much better than everyone on that team Alanson Maximum is, maybe with the exception of Callum Wilson, but obviously you know he's got a different skill set. Um, you know, you're saying you're not a fan of John Joe Shelby? <laughs> uh, yeah, so he's on another level. <laughs> he look, he, and I guess that's like today we saw sort of not the best and worst of St. Maximum, but we saw the best and then sort of the nothing of St. Maximum. Like in the first half, he the was, he was unplayable. Yes, same thing. No, that is perfect. <laughs> And and like normally, normally the the criticism that's probably leveled at some maximum is that he he just makes the wrong decision. Like his head will go, and then he starts just like running into blind alleys towards the corner and shit, and then just doing stepovers and weird dribbles and shit. But full throttle, full throttle, what you trying to say? Yeah, but but today, like he, he just sort of disappeared in the second half, and I think one of the um, one of the West Ham goals was from when Declan Rice dispossessed him, and then um, I think it was. I think it was Antonio's goal um, where uh, Rice nicked the ball from um, some maximum. And, and so it can be almost a bit of a liability defensively as well because, like, they're trying to kind of trying to play on the counterattack. They flood people forward and then if he loses it because he's just taking risks and, and dribbling and stuff, then it, it's it's always a risk, I guess, for, for them as well. Can we just say that that Antonio goal, um, you know, loved the guy after it obviously missed the penalty. Um that Antonio goal, even when he finished it emphatically, he still took a heavy touch. And I just thought that that goal just absolutely encapsulates Antonio. Like he'll still take a heavy touch and then just bury it, like absolutely bury the goal onto the the ball onto the net. Um, yeah, I just thought in a little microcosm that was uh, Antonio summed up. He can be so like looks quite clumsy at times, but then he can also be brilliant. So he's a funny player to watch. It's a it's a fair point about this. This was sort of the um... Like the Antonio in a um, in a in a nutshell sure. as well. Like you had um, and Antonio, like he he set up Ben Rama's goal as well. Which that for me, that was sort of like not quite vintage Antonio, but it was Antonio from about three years ago when he was playing as a wide player, and he he chased down these balls into corners, and he he was a real sort of old school winger, except he was about ninety kilos and just like had thighs like mountains, and. Um, he uh, and he's also like he's got a pretty decent cross with him on him on on both feet as well. So th- there was another side of his game that he showed that I think a lot of people probably uh, only think of Antonio as being just a beast in the air and and, and great running the channels, but obviously showed a little bit of finesse there as well with that too. And's got no breaks though. Nope. No. <laughs> he's got hamstrings for breaks and they just break <laughs> a lot. <laughs> 
Um, already, boys, uh, one thing to, to finish up on this one. New, um, this was West Ham's first win on opening day for five years. Uh, obviously, two of those were, I think, one was against Liverpool and one was against City. So uh, I guess uh, sometimes even if you, you are lucky enough to get City in the in the first few weeks, sometimes even that's not enough to get um, get past them. Um, and also another stat, it's uh, other than uh, Man City, West Ham have won the most games this calendar year, which um, I just want to throw that out there as being pretty wild. So, yeah. Get the chirping <laughs> in now, Tommy. I watched this game this morning after I woke up and, yeah, I was, I was pretty pretty chirpy on the group chats this morning. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait for you to get up and watch games deep, deep into Uzbekistan or Georgia or something and, and see how they do with all the travel and then they put out a second-string team and... Oh, you've got some you've got some early mornings to look forward to, Tommy, and uh, we'll see it's, how the squad goes. It's uh, still another all still, over again. <laughs> it's still <laughs> another two weeks until Europa League uh, group stage is is drawn. So, yeah, like I'm, it's a weird mix of excitement and uh, trepidation about that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see. Uh, next up, Chelsea they hosted Crystal Palace. Um, this was the game that was on Goal Rush on Saturday night, and. Um, Whilst it was uh, fantastic to have Goal Rush back, uh, five games on at the same time in that sort of traditional three o'clock time slot in the on UK time, um, I was a little bit disappointed that this was the game that they picked to put on because um, I, I don't know about you guys, boys, but uh, didn't think Chelsea put up. Uh, sorry, that Palace put up uh, much of a fight in this one. Uh, did you guys think much different? No, I, I mean they, they looked like the a team who probably. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Jesse, what was that? <laughs> Jesse? Yeah, I think it's just because they won the Champions League um, and they were sort of doing their parade around the stadium and first home game for them in the season. I think that's why they gave it to them. It's sort of like the most viewers would tune in. Um, but I was personally flicking between the um, Villa game and the Leicester game uh... at that point. So, I think I, I, I wish I had have been watching that game because I was I was pretty curious to see how Patrick Vieira's uh, team was gonna gonna go against like a, a big team in in their first week. But I mean, if if Brentford against Arsenal was just the perfect game for Brentford, this this felt like the worst possible uh, fixture for uh, for Patrick Vieira to face. And I mean, it's already tough. They're they're coming off the back of straight up a, a bloody nose in their first game. It, I'm talking about Palace like they're a, a promoted team, which is a little bit strange. But um, but just, I guess, disappointing that, um, I mean, even Zaha was was really quiet. And, I mean, that's just Zaha, I guess, during um, a transfer window. He just seems to sulk. But, um, yeah, really, really disappointing, I thought. Boys, um, was there anything in particular that you learnt from, uh, from Chelsea in this one, though? They got more at centre backs than they thought they had. <laughs> Where did Trevor Chalabar come from? Well, he's he's part of the lone army. He's a, he's a Chelsea Academy product, and um, he's he's been out to the likes of Ipswich and Huddersfield, and most recently uh, Lorient in Ligue 1. I think in Ligue 1, um, or in, in in the French league somewhere. He's been, he's been around, maybe Ligue 2. Um, but uh, he's, he's the brother of he's the brother of Nathaniel Chalabar. Um, and, uh, you know, Trevor Chalabar used to be my budget option um, deep in career uh, mode, starting from League Two. He was he was the affordable Chalabar that you could get in your team. 
Um, so I'm pleased, really pleased for him uh, on a personal note. <laughs> what do, um, what do we yeah, call no, him? The Chalabai? What, what would the sort of plural be of Chalabai? I think Chalabai. That, that, that sounds pretty good. I think we can go with that. Where is Nathan Chalabai? Is he still at Watford? I think he is still at Watford. That's the last time oh. I heard. But um, yeah, I mean, he's he's clearly he's he's going up the Chalaba power rankings now after that goal <laughs> on debut. So, uh, yeah, but no, Chelsea got a bit of depth there. No, no Thiago Silva, no uh, Zuma. I don't know if they're going to get rid of Zuma or not. Um, and um, you know, Kunde strongly rumored, but hasn't rocked up yet. So, the um, thing that stood out for me. Uh, Tommy was was obviously we're all sort of waiting for Lukaku, which will be next week, I think. But um, mm. Jorginho just looked like I think that that guy, like on the back of the Euros, he just looks so confident. Um, whether or not he'll be able to sustain kind of the same enthusiasm and uh, throughout the season, I mean, I don't know. But at least for now, uh, just going right on the back of the Euros, he just looks like a player who has won an international tournament recently and has confidence flowing through his veins. I mean, that pass, at one stage he just picked out Alonso and just put it on his toe and all Alonso had to do was just hit, hit it on the volley. It was just, he just looks very, very good at the moment, Jorginho, just pulling the Jesse, strings. Jesse, I'm going to go out on a limb here. And I, are you in the uh, Jorginho for, for Ballon d'Or camp? Because I, 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 this, <laughs> this court... This this caught me out uh, on the hop, I think, a little bit in the last uh, week or so that there was that there was sort of like a groundswell of uh, like of a push for for Jorginho to win the Ballon d'Or. I was like, what? Oh, you, you, you miss all that. It was, was tongue in cheek. Well, I'm, been, I'm confused. It's... But now now Jesse talking him up like like he's the the best player in in Europe I mean, at the moment. Listen, like listen, I, I him putting him putting a beautiful through ball onto Alonso's foot is 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 there's, there's a there's a bit of a gap between there and suggesting he should win the Ballon d'Or. Um, you know, let's not put words not put words in my mouth here, Tommy. But uh, what I will say is that the there was a groundswell. There still is a groundswell just because of the, the amount of, uh, of trophies and and he won in the one year. Last year, I don't know why. I don't know why particularly they pick out him as the midfielder that should win it because mm. there's other players that also won those trophies. But I don't know. That's that's the. Uh, it's a bit of a banter um, following that one. Maybe they just really like Jorginho's running style with like you know the high knees, but like not particularly long stride that he seems to do. Have you guys noticed that? Ever? No. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Look, anything else from from this game you wanted to throw out there, boys? All right. Uh, We'll get on to to your respective team now. Uh, Norwich um, hosted the 2019 2020 champions, Liverpool, um, and Liverpool would have been absolutely licking their lips at the thought of uh, 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 travelling to to Norwich um, in this game. He's a stat for you, for, for you boys and listeners. Um, uh, Liverpool are unbeaten in their last 14 uh, league matches against Norwich. That's 14, uh, sorry, 12 wins and two draws. Um, and they've scored 44 goals across those uh, across those matches. That's an average of 3.1 goals a game. So, uh, boys, was there any nerves at all headed into this game? Or Always. <laughs> we we could be playing a league three side, and I'm always terrified. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You yeah, you say you say we've we've got a good record against Norwich, but um, you know, my mind always goes back to um, 
one of uh, Jurgen Klopp's first games in charge or in the very early days of, um, and I think it finished like 6-5 or something ridiculous. 5-4 or something, yeah. 5-4 yeah. or something like that with, with that uh, Adam Lallana goal in the like last kick of the game or something like that to seal it when he broke Klopp's glasses. Like, and then, you know, <laughs> my nails were fully chewed off and I'm just a nervous wreck by the end of that one. So, I mean, they, could go, they can go anyway. Yeah, but they have got a great record. You're right, Tommy. Um, I, I have to say, like, I think I didn't actually feel as uncomfortable one nil as I usually would. I thought that we would, we were just, we were being patient and we were holding position. But um, it was only after the second goal that I thought, okay, we're home and host here. But really, really interesting to see that sort of um, battle between Jota and Firmino, both of them scoring. So a really good problem for Klopp to have in the in the next few games. It's a masterstroke from Klopp if he manages to get uh, Firmino scoring because he, he has not been a prolific over the last couple of years, has he? Oh, but it's what uh, he does for the team, though, Tommy. It's what he does for the team. Sure, mate. Sure. Narrative. <laughs> well, you saw Salah uh, turn provider in this game. He set up uh, the, the two goals for, for Jota and um, Firmino. Do you think we're going to see a, a new, more sort of unselfish side to Salah this season, maybe? Doubt it. Speak, <laughs> speak, speak it in narrative, eh? I was yeah. like, like that poor bloke gets um he gets a lot of stick for uh for just shooting at goal, which is what he's best at. So um I'm gonna stick up for Mo in this regard. But um he 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 just looks so good. Um I I was I think he he usually comes out of the blocks pretty fast, um, Mo, but I, I think in the second half he really grew and he just was everywhere. So I think this is his this is his fourth or fifth year in a row that he scored on uh, opening day, which is fifth fifth time. It's pretty incredible to, to me. Can, can we just one take one wonder, moment, eh? Can we just take one moment to appreciate Andy Corbinitis having a beer at New Year's Eve in twenty seventeen, where he said that Mo Salah was just gonna be uh last year's Jamie Vardy. And um <laughs> It's even he's, worse. A one, he's a one-season wonder, uh, listeners. This was the this was the, z- the season essentially before this pod began, and so unfortunately we, we can't started a pod tape. for this. We can't ch- we can't check the tapes, um, but I assure you that it did happen. And uh, we like to remind Andy every year that Mo Salah is in fact a five-season wonder. Um, <laughs> love to see it. Boys, on the topic of, of Salah, that um, his assist for, for Jota, did you think that was a misplaced touch or do you think that was deliberate? Misplaced this might touch. be a little bit more divisive. But what, a ball, what a ball from um, Trent, though. Yes. Colby, what did you think? Yeah. Is it deliberate? Uh, no, or Yeah, I, I probably lean on the side of misplaced touch, but, you know, it doesn't matter. Because, uh, like, it was one of those ones where I, I think uh, – Almost every commentator is going to say, "Oh, what a what a gorgeous touch!" Playing it deliberately into his path, but like we've played football before, right? Like you know that sometimes your touch doesn't always just come off, right? And if there's if there's anyone who knows uh, a thing or two about a misplaced touch, um... <laughs> <laughs> he set him up to fail there. Um, no, but that pass from Trent was superb. Like it was, it must have been like about a meter off the ground the whole way, and then. To be honest, like I think actually the credit for that goal goes more to Jota because Jota, what he adds to that team, Jota, is that he's just sniffing around that area so that if anything spills in front of him, he's the first one there and he just pounces. So, um, yeah, I don't think um, Salah did it deliberately, but credit to Jota for being in the right place. Fair enough. 
Where he's uh, almost ready to move on. Is there anything that you took away about Norwich, though? Do you do you think uh, has it changed your opinion about how they're going to go this season? No, because I think they'll stay up too, Tommy. Um, I think they looked good. Um, they were, yeah, I suppose, um, a three nil scoreline flatters Liverpool a little bit. Norwich could have had a goal, um, particularly uh, toward the end of the game, where Allison was called into action and and made a ridiculous save uh, to keep a clean sheet. So. Um, no, I thought I thought Norwich uh, performed well, and I think they will have learnt um, from their season back in the Championship under Farker. So, um, yeah, they're, they're they're picking and sticking with their manager and and a lot of the guys in their team. So I think, yeah, I think I think will you know the results will come for them. Fair enough. All right, um, let's move on to the to the blue side of Liverpool now. Um, Rafa Benitez received a pretty positive reception at Goodison as Everton hosted Southampton. Um, but Everton didn't have the, the start to this match that they probably would have liked. Uh, they were down 1-0 um, in the first half. Um, Adam Armstrong um, finished off uh, a, a, a good chance after Shea Adams nicked the ball from Michael Keane. Um Mason Holgate and Michael Keane definitely were not covered in glory in this one, I've got to say, although Michael Keane will probably be the one that will sort of cop all the flack for it. Um, but it was a very different Liverpool, uh, sorry, Everton side that came, Freudian slip there, very different Everton side that came out in the second half, uh, scored three unanswered goals. Uh, Richarlison also managed to get booked for diving as well in this game. But, um, I mean, it's a, the standard. The sky's blue, right? Um but boys, uh, what did you think of of Rafa's per, uh, first first performance uh, as in in charge of Everton? You go, Cobbs. Well, I mean, you know, they they, they fought back. They came down from you know being one nil, being one nil down to fight back and and win. So, what more can you ask for? But um, I get the feeling that Rafa's still tinkering with his lineup a little bit. I don't think that's going to be. Everton's lineup every week. I certainly don't think that's their best lineup based on the players that they have in their squad. So, um, yeah, it would be interesting to see what changes, whether it's the system or the tactics, when, um, you know, Rapper has his strongest 11 available. You know, when you go to the golf range and and there's like a a target, maybe 100 metres or 50 metres out there, and it's just like, can you hit it into the bucket? Well, basically, um, the Everton's game plan is just put Calvert Lowe in about 50 metres in front of you and just get Andros Townsend, Dina, Coleman, everyone in the team, just try and hit him. And I think he must have received like 17, 20 crosses or something over the course of the game. It's just like, it's the most sort of primitive game plan. But I think until um, Rafa, as Colby mentioned, figures it out, I think that's just going to be put it on um, DCL's head. Um, it, it was like Man United under Moyes against what was it Fulham, where they were just like, just get it into the box, just got to yeah. cross it in. <laughs> yeah, like it's just it's it's clear what they're doing. But um, it's funny, guys, because we were talking about switching between games. I switched over and watched a few minutes of this um in the first half, and it was after Southampton had scored, and it just like it was like Goodison was like fucking everyone was sulking. It was pissing down with rain. Um, <laughs> like they just like Rafa was like looking around at the crowd. They were like like looking at him with daggers in their eyes. It just looked like the most hostile, toxic atmosphere. And then in the second half, Everton showed some backbone and actually came back and scored. So um, I, I have to say, like, it's encouraging for Everton that they were in a losing position and fought their way out. Um, it's a bit better from them. Showed a little bit of backbone indeed. Uh, boys, uh, I want to 
do one final shout out before we keep moving, and that's uh, about Donny Calvert-Lewin. That that finish for that third Everton goal, I thought that was really, really good. Like you don't see a lot of diving headers anymore in the Premier League, um, and that one it was a really satisfying finish. I don't know why I liked it so much, but I did, and I loved it. <laughs> Probably because you and Jesse have got the five G brain link going on now. So get out of Jesse's head. <laughs> I lo- love diving headers. Make no secret about that. Oh, very good. All right. Um, next up, uh, Leicester. They hosted Wolves. I don't think this is quite like a, a derby, but like they're both from sort of like the middle part of England, really. I guess so. Uh, Bruno Large uh, made his Premier League debut as Wolves manager as they travelled down the road to Leicester. Uh, a single goal for Jamie Vardy in the in the lowest scoring game of the weekend was enough to give Leicester the three points. Was uh, concerned for Wolves. Uh, didn't didn't get off the mark this weekend. Um, couldn't um, break the break the the score line. Um, Tim Sherwood thinks that Wolves uh, could get dragged into a relegation fight if things don't click really quickly. What, what are your thoughts? Oh, that's good enough for me. If that's what Sherwood thinks, uh, I hundred percent agree. No, <laughs> esports commentator Tim Sherwood. I thought you were going to say, like, it's the opposite. If Tim Sherwood thinks that, then Wolves are definitely safe. This this is how I know that you stay up to watch games, Tommy, because you're quoting Tim Sherwood. And yeah. You, you know, it's like 2 a.m. and that dickhead's, dickhead's on your TV screen. You're like, oh, I didn't stay up to 2 a.m. to watch this guy. Um, Tommy's watched every minute of every Premier League game this weekend, listeners. He has not slept a wink. Lockdown life. 100%. I'm not far behind you. Um, no, I think uh, you got one of the key things about this, a couple of key things, guys. What a goal from Vardy. Um, mm. Such a such a low percentage chance and he buries it. Such Somehow. a difficult such a difficult finish. So credit. Secondly, Traore sh- should have scored. So, um, you know, he does all the hard work. He gets away from the defenders and he just did Middlesbrough to Traore and missed the right post. Um, so it was like, you, you know, as a Wolves fan, you're thinking, well, it, it probably should have been 1-1. It probably should have been a draw. So, and Leicester took a really difficult chance. So I, I, I don't think that, I think that it's just, again, low-hanging fruit for someone to share with to say they're going to go into a relegation battle um, <laughs> when, when, you know, they missed an easy chance and should have. And also, is Sherwood um, aware of how many shit teams there are in the Premier League this season? Like, I mean, we're about <laughs> to talk about two of them. Is, um, is he aware that Colby predicted that none of the promoter teams would go down this season? I well, mean, ch- check the tape, Sherwood. <laughs> Call me at the end of the season. <laughs> uh, um, Jesse, on the topic of Troy's miss, that for me it just reminds me that um, and five years ago when Antonio was 25, he would have he would have missed this in the same way that Troy did, where it was just like how did you miss that? It felt like it was easier to score than than to put a wide like he did. So um, I think as Troy gets a little bit older and a little bit sort of wiser, I think yeah, maybe you'll see him in a few years' time sort of finish that, that a chance like that. But, mate, I think what you're doing, you're doing the classic thing where he's like, you know, he's the – He's the Damari Gray, you know. You're saying like, oh, he's, you know, give him a couple come more good. years. Like, come good. He's he's old, he's old enough. He, he's he's been around long enough now to finish that chance. Like he's actually developed beyond that player that was streaky. I mean, remember when he buried a couple past City? He was on the mm. break in those games, and he was clinical. Like he he just it's an unforgivable miss for him because like he he made the chance. He did everything right except for the finish. He made it. So yeah. I- I actually thought um, Adama Traore was older than he is. He's he's only twenty five. In fact, boys, uh, I'm I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think he might actually be uh, 
younger Soccer than Bruce Bolton. Kamau. He is. He's younger than Bruce Kamau. <laughs> this is unreal. <laughs> that, wow. It's TIL. Yeah. It's that. <sighs> yeah, wow. All right. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm going to keep moving before I, before I just have like another one of these moments but um all right uh, so. the match you've all been waiting for listeners oh yeah there just a uh, drum drum roll so burnley they hosted brighton in the fo- uh the, the final game uh that we're going to be covering on today's pod um burnley did manage to open the scoring um this one caught everyone on on um goal rush probably by surprise that the game was actually on <laughs> Because Tarkovsky scored in the in the second minute and it cut straight to that pretty much straight after kickoff and everyone went oh wow I didn't know this game was on maybe I'll switch over no I'm just kidding no one said that um, but Brighton did manage to um, to get two goals back uh, both quite late in the second half uh, Malpai and Alexis McAllister um, McAllister who some um, of our listeners might remember um, played for Argentina against the Oliroos in the the Olympics, and I thought he was shit at, at that level. So uh, he's back and he's scoring winners now in the Premier League. So what do I know? Alex um, Mack, back. <laughs> remember the name, listeners. Is he anyone's boy this year? Yeah, no, fuck so. that guy. <laughs> <laughs> We're so off Brighton now, aren't they? Aren't we? Can we can we at least take a moment, Tommy, just to acknowledge that Tarkovsky uh, goal? Um, that was such like, a Tarkovsky like, goal, wasn't it? Like, like like a teenager learning to drive it straight, straight over the road, <laughs> road, straight over the road cone. Um, <laughs> he did. He actually just steamrolled someone, didn't he? He steamrolled Mope. Had to be Mope. Just like oh. goes down to the passing wind. Incredible. Um, <laughs> And I love how he was appealing on his back like a you know like a turtle and um, uh, VAR <laughs> VAR VAR went having a bar of it. It was just incredible. I, I was you, amazed. The goal well, stood. Do think, like, do you think it should have been brought back? No, I don't. I, I personally am okay, glad good. the right. goal stood. But I just think that like considering the standards that and what we've seen in the last few years, usually that would be brought back. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, and a few people mentioned this over over the weekend that the the felt like the standards dramatically were different over the weekend. I uh, can't remember who it was. I think someone was saying it. Uh, one might have been one of the commentators during the West Ham game or, or during the City game said that um, that a lot of fouls last year that would have been fouls aren't fouls this year, and uh, even um, offsides. Yeah, Creswell's goal that that looked offside to the naked eye, but with with fat lines instead of skinny lines now in the Premier League. Um, One of the Manchester United goals were offside. It was a real thick line, uh, real thick, <laughs> real thick. Yeah, so, but I, I think I think uh, VAR got a massive rev up over the off season, and I think we'll see much better. Uh, calls over the course of this season and um, I might be going off very early on that prediction but um, I, I think we will see far fewer very just outrageous controversies caused by the VAR or, or lack thereof, thereof. Let's just hope that they don't do what they did last season which is massively overcompensate in the first three or four <laughs> game weeks and then go oh actually we're going to have another review of uh, what we've done and then uh, the, the, the lines in a diet skinny lines. Last year's Medium. one of you last year's Healthy one you lines. Was the handballs? Remember oh, the first three, four game weeks last year, and they just every every handball in the box is a penalty. Um, <laughs> let's hope it's not like that. Let's hope that they can continue to give the benefit of the doubt to the attacking team, as long as it's not like, you know, a meter 
um, uh, line so that Bruno's onside in that third goal. I mean, come, on. <laughs> come on. If if there was one one thing I thought that was interesting was like I had a real sort of uh, a bee in my bonnet last year about um, VAR because it seemed like that's all that anyone ever ever talked about. You, you'd cut to half time or full time, and all they'd talk about was some shitty VAR decision to the point where. I didn't want to talk about it anymore on the pod because I was like, like I don't watch football to talk about VAR. But um, if you remember, uh, I think it was the Man United um, Leeds game. They cut to half time, and and Paul Scholes was the pundit they had on the the Premier League coverage here, and he said, "Oh no, I thought it was fine. Don't want to talk about it," and just moved on. And it was so different from last season. Um, yeah. All right. It anything sounds, else it about? Sounds a, lot, it sounds a lot like Paul Scholes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was probably because it probably should have been offside, and he just didn't want to talk about it. He's just like, like I, like I've never seen a pundit look so miserable about being there. <laughs> like, it's like getting paid to you, talk about football. Why are you there, Paul? You know, like I know that he's like that, you know, real miserable mancunian, but it's like he just looked <laughs> like he's just like, oh, why the fuck did you drag me in here? Yeah, oh, give, yeah, it was a goal. Move on. Um, I just find him quite funny. He's going to be a real grumpy old man as he gets older, isn't he? Grumpier old man. Yeah, for sure. All righty, cool. Um, just to wrap up, I uh, just want to talk a little bit about Fantasy uh, Premier League. Obviously, um, long-time listeners will know that we ran our first uh, MTAG FPL competition last year. We're running it again this year. Lots of people have signed up. We got 37 last season, and this year we've got a whopping 57, so almost double um, compared to last year. So, uh, RIP our um, Twitter mailbox and, and Facebook mailbox over the last week or two. Sorry, Colby, Damo, and Jesse about that. Um, but it's uh, it's turned out to be a really exciting first weekend up uh, with Bruno and Salah copying heaps of uh, heaps of goals and assists respectively. It's everyone virtually has big big scores this week, so that's a lot of fun. Um, in fact, fourteen players in the first game week got hundred points or more. So. That's pretty cool. A uh, few shout-outs to some of the the great um, FPL names that we've got in uh, MTAG FPL this season. We've got Scotty Johnson's uh, Ben Rama's in pyjamas. like that one. Um, Danny Dimovsky's Sucker Punch. So that one was good too. Um, Alex Dwyer's Teeny Dancer. Um, I actually wondered if if he was a Watford fan, but no, nah, I don't think he is, so that would have been better. Um you got Dammy Dammy's uh, Romelu and Juliet. I thought that one was good. That's good. Uh, and finally, the best one I thought, which and it's topical as well. It's very current. Is Angus Dwyer's wet ass pookie. I thought that was <laughs> that was the that was the best one. So uh, uh, plenty of good to see plenty of uh, original names out there rather than some of the the same uh, recycled ones um, every year. Um, but look, that's that's a wrap. Uh, in in the next couple of weeks, I will be uh, announcing the the final prize pool once that's confirmed, and then in the first pod in September, uh, I'll also be giving away our first monthly prize. So um, that'll be plenty exciting too. But look, um, that's all we've got time for this week on the pod. Um, thanks for joining in. Um, Going to be plenty more football again next week, and obviously plenty more football for us to discuss as well. So thanks for joining in, and we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.